Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert. And I am Joe McCormick. And it's Monday, the day of each week that we read back messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind mailbag. If you've never gotten in touch before and you want to uh, give it a try, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Whatever you want to send is fair game, but we especially like uh, if you want to respond to a topic we've talked about on the show recently and add something interesting of your own. Uh, let's see, Rob, we got a bunch of messages in response to our invention series on crossbows. Uh, I mm. think I'm going to kick things off with this message from Ahmed, if that's cool with you. Yeah, let's do it. Ahmed, who has written many great emails to us in the past, by the way. Ahmed says, hey, guys, Ahmed again here. I loved your recent episodes on the crossbow, especially the discussions of its association with evil that seems sort of unfair and out of proportion with the technology itself. And as a refresher on the side, this is from the episode where we, we, we talked about how if you watch movies from the modern period where uh, some kind of medieval fantasy is depicted or there's a medieval technology context, the crossbows are always used by the bad guys, almost always, exclusively a villain weapon, and how this wasn't a... It, it hasn't always exactly been seen like this, but there are threads of that going back to the medieval period itself. There are some writings from the period that characterize the, the crossbow as a uniquely wicked or barbaric weapon. And we were wondering, like, why that uh, why the crossbow compared to any other weapon? Ahmed's message continues. One important example in literature that came to mind for me was The Rime of the Ancient Mariner by Samuel Coleridge. For those not acquainted, this is a romantic movement English poem that tells a story within a story of a sailor who shoots an albatross with a crossbow and is cursed for it before ultimate redemption. It's had a big culture impact with famous imagery like an albatross hanging around someone's neck and lines like water, water everywhere nor any drop to drink. 
I always thought it weird that this poem, published in 1798, so centuries into the gunpowder age, had the crossbow as the weapon the unnamed narrator uses to shoot the albatross. After listening to your episodes, this seems to fit into a broader cultural association of the crossbow with evil and wickedness, and in this case, a wicked act. As the poem itself says, quote, by him who died on cross, with his cruel bow he laid full low the harmless albatross. Hmm. Ahmed goes on, I wonder if part of this association comes from the fact that the crossbow made it easy for the first time to accidentally or unthinkingly kill or hurt someone. After all, the energy is already stored up, and all it would take is an accidental or impulsive pulling of the trigger. Besides dropping something on somebody from high up, this was probably the first time a regular person without a catapult or ballista could get a ton of kinetic energy into something all of a sudden without much work. You certainly get the idea that the mariner shoots the bird on a whim, and I wonder if countless such unsung instances or half-baked or accidental maiming and killing with crossbows were the reason for its bad rap that stuck around even centuries after gunpowder made even higher energies deployable with the push of a trigger. I couldn't find any actual scholarship on this, but the speculation was too juicy not to share. Anyways, keep up the great work, and happy Thanksgiving, Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed, yeah, I I don't know if that had occurred to me. I don't think it had. And that's a really interesting idea that the crossbow makes it easier to do to cause a lot of harm accidentally or with very little immediate physical effort. I mean, it does take physical effort to to cock it back, but that's something you can do in advance. And, you know, the the release of the mechanism to to unleash the violence is is quite simple. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, and, and on top of the fact that just like the basic technological metaphor is so irresistible, you, you know, and we touched on that a little bit in the way it's referenced in Sun Tzu and so forth. But, but yeah, here is this this lethal the lethal force has already been applied, and then it may be the device may be set aside, and virtually anyone could then pick it up and fire it or misfire it or whatever the case may be, and and could commit. In heinous crimes with it, such as in the case of uh, of uh, the rhyme of the ancient mariner uh, shooting that blessed albatross out of the sky. Exactly. So thanks for the email, Ahmed. I think that is a, a really interesting idea. Um, okay. Now, we invited listeners to chime in on a couple of topics related to crossbows in Dungeons and & Dragons. And Rob, there are several emails of this genre that you might need to help explicate and interpret for those not as deeply familiar with the game. Uh, do you want to do this one from Emily? Sure. Emily writes in and says, Hi guys, I'm listening to your episode about crossbows and wanted to chime in since you asked for comments relating to crossbows in tabletop RPGs. A few years ago, I DM'd a game of Pathfinder playing a published adventure path called Second Darkness. Mild spoilers follow for this 15-year-old AP. The central plot revolves around the drow. Uh, rhymes with brow, not crow, okay, for anyone out there, uh, yeah. or dark elves. Uh, which at the time the AP was written were an explicitly and exclusively evil race. Uh, yeah, this is true nowadays in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you're, you're you're finding a lot more needed nuance with specific um, races or species. So 
Uh, yeah, I think there were exceptions to the rule in the older lore, but nowadays it's it's less a matter of like, oh yeah, the the drow are all evil; they're all awful evil. Uh, now we're opening it up and realizing, no, no, it's it's okay that some of the drow are evil and some are not evil. It's like they're just like people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a much healthier place to to land everything. Anyway, Emily continues, I believe the recently released second edition of Pathfinder has been updated such that this is no longer the case, but I'm not sure. The big twist of Second Darkness in universe is that normal elves turn into drow if they are sufficiently wicked. There's an important scene where this happens to an NPC, picture below for your amusement, kicking off the back half of the adventure. Rob, maybe we should go ahead and look down to this PS uh, of this uh, (laughs) character who is... uh, I don't even know how to begin to describe this. A, a, a V-neck shirt so deep it goes down to his belly button, and he's got like about six swords hanging off of his belt, and yeah, he looks like he's no good. He looks like he should be fronting um, a really ridiculous, uh, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s kind of a satanic heavy metal band. I'm not sure. A little bit glam rock in there. Yeah, like the kind of bands that have song titles that translate to I Dislike Christians. <laughs> also of note, uh, the the drow in this image uh, has pale skin, um, which uh, of course in Dungeons and Dragons they uh, they're they're generally depicted as having a dark skin, um, which of course plays into some of the problematic aspects of having the the drow be evil, and then also uh, always threw me for a curve because it's like okay, they're subterranean creatures, shouldn't they be pale like? subterranean creature shouldn't they have like translucent skin or something Mm. Uh, but clearly i am and was overthinking that that aspect of the scenario oh and we should say emily has a ps regarding this image (laughs) it reads who in the world would have suspected this guy of being evil he has so many swords Uh, (laughs) yeah like six swords going back to in the same discussion we talked about how the for some reason in movies the sword is identified as like an honest and virtuous weapon which is pretty equally silly to the crossbow being more evil than other weapons yeah (laughs) all right anyway she continues on to the i guess the main point here given your discussion in the second episode about crossbows being evil coded weaponry in fiction it should come as no surprise that every single drow the pcs encountered was packing a masterwork hand crossbow as part of their loadout, even the castlers and folks with other weapons, including swords. I suppose it makes sense for the drow to favor the crossbow for the same reason Rob said dwarves would favor them. Good for low light, close quarters, underground combat. Also, for the record, according to uh, d20pfsrd.com, an online Pathfinder reference document, loading a hand crossbow is technically a move action that provokes attacks of opportunity. What? I may have conveniently forgotten this while I was running the AP, but my players still managed to defeat the drow and avert the titular second darkness all the same. Oh, wait, so in your campaign, the drow were getting double the amount of attacks they should have? <laughs> No, um, if I'm understanding what she's saying correctly, it's like by engaging in reloading of the crossbow, you would be provoking an attack of opportunity, meaning that the, the enemy would get to make like an out-of-turn attack mm, on okay. melee, unless I'm misunderstanding something. But anyway, uh, again, that sounds like one of those rules that suddenly makes using a crossbow in the game less fun and maybe isn't a great rule, but that's just me. I think we got another email about this coming up. Okay. Uh, Emily closes with, uh, this was a really interesting series of episodes. I liked Invention a lot when it was its own separate thing, and it's been a while since you guys have done a proper Invention episode, so this was a pleasant surprise to see when I opened my podcast app this week. Thank you, as always, for the excellent podcast. Well, thank you, Emily. 
Yeah, I enjoy dipping back into uh, the invention content from time to time. You know, it, it, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a splash of something uh, uh, different uh, from time to time. So we'll, we'll definitely keep doing them. Okay, here's more about crossbows in fictional worlds. Andrew says, Howdy, regarding your recent crossbow episode, you failed to mention Chewie's crossbow from Star Wars. <laughs> I've always been confused on the physics of a laser crossbow. Did he have to reload it? How is a laser propelled forward with stored energy uh, in the way the traditional one is? How is his weapon any different from any other Star Wars blaster? Thanks, Andrew. Andrew, I had the same question growing up. I had no idea why would you need a, a blaster to be a crossbow blaster. I don't know what advantage it provides. Yeah, I mean, um, it never made sense to me either. I'm sure it has been explained. Someone in the Star Wars oh, yeah. fan world has explained this. I just haven't looked it up. Um, but uh, I guess uh, I always tended to lean towards two possible sort of headcanon explanations. One, it's not really a crossbow. It doesn't have a string. Maybe it does have a string, but in my mind, I just remember it has the like the bow shape and then they're like these balls on the end so maybe those are for some sort of like electromagnetic uh you know rail gun scenario i don't know so something other than uh aiding in the the, the drawing back of a bow or it is there is a string there and it's not so much about propelling something but as facilitating some sort of a fast function mechanical aspect of the device that plays into its launching of a laser bolt or what have you I'll have to go on Wikipedia to find out. Wikipedia, yeah. I, I think there's going to have to be your answer, but it never made sense to me either. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and read from Wikipedia. Here's, here's, the, here's what the Wikipedia <laughs> okay. says. Okay. Quote, okay. the weapon used metal quarrels developed with plasma energy as ammunition. Two polarizing orbs placed on each end of the bow created a magnetic field that boosted the quarrel's momentum. Once the cocking spring was pulled back, the trigger fired the quarrel, which was enveloped in plasma energy. So if I'm understanding that correctly, it's still kind of a traditional crossbow, but with some added yeah. sci-fi stuff. It's shooting bolts, like hard metal bolts that are surrounded by plasma energy. Like it's like a metal bolt with a blaster casing. It's like an M&M. Hmm. That's, that's kind of vicious. Like I can yeah. only imagine that uh, blasting through your stormtrooper armor. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, what else do we have? Let's see. Well, we got uh, we got another one from Matthew about uh, role play, uh, tabletop RPG rules with crossbows. Uh, do you want to do this one, Rob? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Matthew says, good morning. I just caught up with the two-parter on crossbows. And I have to admit, I was stumped for a moment because I thought I'd seen statistics for the repeating crossbow in the wild. Instead, what I remembered was the aesthetic choice Wizards, meaning Wizards of the Coast, made when they went MMO on 4th edition and purged a lot of the 3.5 materials to make it play more like a video game. Mm. However, I did see the Pathfinder blocks from the original version, a.k.a. D&D 3.75, so I'm sure with a little conversion and whatnot, it can apply to the game since it still had roots in the 3.5 edition. Okay, so this is a response to you saying you, you thought that there were repeating crossbows somewhere in the D&D universe at some point. Uh, yeah, I think in 5e, some enemies have them, but uh, and, uh-huh. and it just and also it just makes sense that certainly someone's homebrewed it, and it may be in a book that I just haven't seen. Anyway, Matthew shares a link with us and says, of course, I remember the 2e versions having some more realistic rules on maintenance and upkeep, which made sure it was never used around the table. Kids these days in their plug-and-play D&D. Thanks for everything, Matthew. You know, making things in a game more like real life is not always an improvement. (laughs) I don't know if Matthew would disagree with me there, but like, yeah, you have to use a turn to like load your, your crossbow. Is that as much fun? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, there has to be a balance there, but, and I guess it's just always a, uh, a struggle to figure out what the balance is because a certain amount of tedium in a game can can be fun. I mean, there doesn't need, doesn't need to be too much like a video game, but, you don't want it to be so complex that, uh, you know, only rocket scientists can play it. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of the struggle. All right. This next message is from Geraldo, and it goes back to our episodes um, called from before you could remember our episodes about uh, infant amnesia, basically. <laughs> 
Geraldo says, hello, Robert and Joe. Hope you are well. I live in Brazil and I've been a regular listener to the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast since 2017 to 2018. Actually, I try to keep up with every episode in sequence and with the daily routine, I am currently still listening to episodes from April. (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday, I finished the third part of the Before You Could Remember series, and I think I have something to share about it. You referred to a proposal which states that, quote, it's not until we have mastered the concept of a self different from others that we're able to organize our memories into a sensical form that can be retrieved across time. That idea immediately reminded me of a common phrase that I've uh, listened since my childhood from my parents and other older members of my family, and which I've incorporated in my own verbal expressions. They used to say something like, um, and I guess this is in uh, Spanish or Portuguese, so I apologize if I'm not saying this right. Sei diso desde que eu me entendo por gente which could be translated as, I've known this since I've known myself as a person, as a way to say that the point when you identify yourself as a person is as far as your memory can reach backwards. I'm not a native English speaker, as you have probably already noticed, so I can't say if there is a correlate expression in English. Anyway, I find it really interesting that such an idea is concealed in rather daily expression, and I thought it would be a shareable thing. Uh, Thank you for the delightful hours listening to the ever-interesting and thought-provoking subjects that you bring weekly to our appreciation. Please keep doing this brilliant work you do. Best regards, Geraldo. Oh, thank you so much, Geraldo. I did not know that expression, and yeah, that is interesting. Hmm, Yeah. I wonder where something like that would come from uh, since I've known myself as a person. But it makes sense. It makes sense within the context of what we were talking about. I like it. All right, shall we dive into some Weird House Cinema listener mail? Sure. Uh, Yeah, Uh, kick this off with uh, whichever of these you want to read, Rob. All right, this one comes to us from Adam. Adam says, after listening to the most recent Weird House episode, The Butterfly Murders, and watching, I found the look of the leader of the Ten Flags, uh, Ten Thing, reminded me of the main character in the graphic novel, Feng Xing Ji, Wu Jing, though it's mostly the hair and cloak. I haven't thought about Feng Shenji in years, but recall really enjoying it. It's set in a mythical world, thematically reminiscent of ancient China, where people and gods are fighting for supremacy. It's gorgeously illustrated and a fun read. I got hooked on Joe's recommendation, and asterisks by this, we'll come back to this, kill yeah. six billion demons years back and thought I would return the favor. I enjoy the main show quite a bit, but Weird House definitely, quote unquote, rubs the fur, and I am always excited to hear what film will be discussed next. Thanks for your hard work. Best, Adam. Uh, now, I think I know what your asterisk is, Rob. I, I don't personally recall recommending Kill Six Billion Demons. That's not uh, anything against it. I'm just not really familiar with this. So was that you or maybe Christian years ago? I honestly don't remember. I know that I had a copy of it, uh, of, of one of the books of it, and and really loved the artwork and ended up passing it on to a friend um, and— uh, uh, but I cannot recall if it's something that I learned about through someone else or if Christian recommended it and I picked it up because Christian liked it. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I, I recommend checking it out. It's, it's pretty fun. As for this series that uh, Adam is recommending, um, I'm, I'll have to check it out. Uh, I'm really not familiar with it, but it, it sounds intriguing. I mean, if the main character is like Boss Tin Fung from, uh, from Butterfly Murders, I, uh, that, that's already uh, in the plus column for me. Yeah. All right. This next message comes from Alan. <laughs> 
Alan says, I've been catching up on past podcasts that I missed and just listened to the Weird House episode about the movie Conquest. This is the <laughs> Lucio Fulci uh, sword and sorcery movie. It's kind of a Conan ripoff starring the guy from Werewolf, the, the bad guy from Werewolf as a Conan type guy. Uh, I recall this movie having some... Well, speaking of werewolves, doesn't it have like some wolfmen that serve a sorceress? And oh uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I recall a lot of good stuff, but it's been a while. Uh, oh, I remember this is one where they, they like they like journey through a poison swamp that just ends up with with Fulci giving us like a three minute close up of the hero's pustulous wounds. Yes, it is. Um, I can say without a, a shred of irony, uh, is a great movie. I absolutely love Conquest. Yeah, I, I love it more every time that I watch it. But but I'll have more to say on this in a second once uh, once the once the the email is finished. Well, so Alan says after listening, I immediately watched the movie. It sounded intriguing, and visually, I was not disappointed. Otherwise, I still haven't decided if I liked it or not. However, <laughs> that... I did want to share a moment from the movie that made me laugh out loud. Uh, at the end, the wolves run to the forest. The hero walks to the shore, uh, both somehow into the sunset. <laughs> Good observation. And the credits start to roll. The first thing you read is, quote, any reference to persons or events is purely coincidental. <laughs> Alan says, ha, I realize this could be something the studio just does regardless of the movie. But the idea of someone making the decision to add that disclaimer after making that movie is hilarious. Maybe they added it ironically, which I can appreciate. But it's more amusing to imagine a group of people sitting around a table agreeing that, you know, boys, we cut this one pretty close to reality and we better cover our butts so nobody thinks the movie was about them. <laughs> That's all. Keep up the great work. Happy holidays, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Well, um, uh, now on the, the comment about not being sure if you liked it or not after watching it, I, as someone who loves Conquest, I will say this is the correct response to a first viewing <laughs> of Conquest. Um, it, it, it takes a while to, to, uh, to figure out how you feel about it and to grow in your relationship with this, with this particular film. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bonkers one, especially bonkers. So uh, the idea of anything in this movie matching up closely with reality is uh, a bit ludicrous. Imagine someone suing Fulci for the way they were depicted in Conquest. Yeah, this, uh, yeah it's like you, you totally stole my life story. I am a um, topless, uh, gold-headed uh, sorceress with an army of werewolves, and uh, you're, you're using my story without, uh, without my permission, without giving me a cut of the pie. How could they? Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably need to revisit some other Fulci films. At some point, we may do another Fulci film on Weird House, but... Uh, I, I have to say it's my favorite right now. It's, uh, mm. uh, it's, it's my, it's my favorite Fulci film well, without a doubt. That's, that's where I stand at the moment. They're not all, they're not all winners. There's, <laughs> there's some real dogs <laughs> in that filmography. Uh, you know, he made a lot of films. Uh, this one though, I think is something special. I was to say the thing about putting together all the Fulci movies I've seen, they're all gross. And so the question is, are they gross and also brilliant or just gross? Or are they gross and also brilliant and funny? That mm. That's like the, the, the triple combination. Is Conquest all three? It's hard to say, but maybe. Yeah, I got excited about, um, about a Fulci film earlier this year, and I thought, well, this, this might be the one. I got a copy of Murder Rock 
Dancing Death from 1984. I think I rented it from Videodrome. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, this this sounds great. It's a, it's a rock musical about, uh, you know, some sort of like a dance studio murder scenario. And there are a lot of dance numbers, uh, you know, kind of like a, an elongated music video by Fulci. Uh, this this has to be a winner. It sounds, but sounds great. It sounds good. It sounds so much better on paper. Maybe some people love this. Maybe it's like Conquest. You have to see it multiple times and appreciate it. But I just didn't like the music. And I felt like if the music had been good, if like if it had really good, solid disco numbers, I could have gotten into it more, but I just couldn't. Mm. House by the Cemetery is another great one. We did a, a weird house episode on the House by the oh, Cemetery. Yeah. That's still one of my favorites. It's like close second to Conquest for me. But, you know, maybe in the future we'll come back and watch something else. Uh, you know, there's, of course, uh, the Beyond, uh, mm -hmm. there's Zombie. Yeah. And then uh, I've also heard interesting things about, like, his non-horror work. Uh, you know, he did some Westerns as well that are supposed to be gory and gross, but also more or less Westerns. I just had a thought, which is that I bet Lucio Fulci is the filmmaker who has made the films that the most people have years later wondered if they dreamed them or if it was a movie they saw. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like we've said, there's often a dreamlike quality, especially in Conquest. And I think that's one of the reasons I loved it so much is that it really has this feeling of an of an unreality that you're uh, cinematically engaging with. However, you know, Fulci never made a Christmas movie. Really? Or did he? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was a dream. All right, we're going to go ahead and cap it there, but we'll be back uh, with, you know, the regular schedule of, uh, of episodes this week, core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, short form Artifact or Monster Fact on Wednesday, and on Friday, another Weird House Cinema selection. You can, of course, email us. Uh, Joe will throw out that email address in just a minute. But other ways to engage with us uh, on the show, well, there's a Discord server. Email us, and we'll send you the link for that. Uh, there's a Facebook group. Uh, it is the Stuff to Blow Your Mind discussion module. Uh, just if you're on Facebook, apply there. Uh, all you have to do is answer a very simple question about the show and you'll be admitted. And uh, yeah, if you follow social media at all, our social media accounts are currently active. And if you are on Instagram, go to STBYM podcast. That is our handle there. And that's a great way to keep up with the show uh, at the moment. Uh, there's some cool videos on there as well that line up with our, our Weird House Cinema selections. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 